Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Kessinari-King. Today, I am delighted to have Amy Berger from Portsmouth, recently moved to Kittery. Thank you for being on. You're welcome. And we, we moved to Elliot, but that's close. They're all close to one another. <laughs> I can never get it all straight, but that, so recently okay. moved to Elliot. Oh, I love it. It's always something. <laughs> I got the name pronunciations here. I was so focused on that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. And there it is written right in front of me. You are in a lovely studio right now. Is this at the Button Factory? Yeah, so I um, have a studio on the third floor of the Button Factory, and I've been here for, I think this is my sixth year, um, and it's very spacious. This is, I got it because it had a good um, space for teaching, uh, and it had a separate place for the paperworks um, part of my business. Yeah. So I've been very happy here, although I'll be moving um, in just a month or two, I'm going to move home to Elliot because my husband and I bought a house there and uh, we renovated a barn into a studio so I'm pretty excited. Wow that'll be great. Nice. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. So you do um, primarily oils or what types of medium do you work with? Primarily oil. You know I I don't you know if I'm I'm kind of a single I'm not a very good multitasker for um, art so if I do watercolors i tend to just do watercolor and then if i do pen and ink drawings i'm just doing pen and ink drawings um but primarily it's oil and that's that is what i i really haven't been doing any watercolor for years um Mm -hmm. or ink so it's pretty much yeah yeah and when you say paperworks you're referring to prints and cards is that yes i have a business that is um you know it's i think it's helped sustain me uh as an artist financially and it's helped certainly has helped me um expand people who know my work Mm. uh so i just designed a line of cards that are my mostly my flower paintings i do have some landscape cards and then i do an annual uh, flower painting uh calendar every year and that's been that's fairly popular and then i do a few prints but it's mostly the calendar and then the cards you know, I never once thought of the greeting cards as a marketing tool, but of course, when people send them and they see what a beautiful card that is, they're yeah. going to look you up. Wow. Yeah, I started with four, I think in 2012, and I look back, I'm so embarrassed, you know, because I, no, I had no technology skills, not that they're great now, but I've learned a lot since then. Yeah. Uh, but I started with four very dark, very, you know, poorly printed cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, technology's come a long way. We'll say it's technology that's important. Okay. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> so go ahead and tell me your uh, background with art. I'm always curious to find out what you as an artist remember uh, from your earliest recollections of anything artistic. Um, sure. Well, I always, I always liked art. And that really was, it was really as simple as that. I grew up, I was, uh, I'm a native New Hampshire, and I was born in Keene um, and raised in Swansea. And we were kind of out in the woods and I spent a lot of time outdoors, but then I also spent a lot of time um, drawing and (laughs) I painted by number. I I used to get those for Christmas presence a lot which I loved yeah and um I just I connected with art in school mm-hmm. pretty much all the way through school it was the one uh subject that really um kept my attention and then I went to um UNH and studied painting there and 
I've just been making artwork ever since then. It seemed like the one thing I just could always do and I haven't really had a problem with being able to work on my own um, making artwork since then. So, so that's, that's what I do. I've been able to nice. stick with it. Nice. And, and tell me about your um, influences uh, throughout your growth and learning and training. Uh, I had, you know, if this is going to sound embarrassing, because I don't even remember her name, which is a crime on my part, but I had a great high school art teacher and um, who I remember she, when I, I, I didn't know it was unusual at the time because I graduated in 1982, but I, she would um, have us look at slides of art once a week as part of our art class. Wow. And then when I went to school and took my first art history classes, I, I didn't, I would talk with other people, you know, who were in class with me and, and they thought that was pretty unusual, but that was just something that she, she did. Um, so I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate the value that she um, gave to all of us to look at work besides our own work and just making our, our own work. And then at UNH, I went through the art program and, and had a great experience. It's a really good, uh, it's a really good program. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned a lot from a lot of different people. Nice, nice. And what about the great masters who's influenced you there, inspired you? Oh boy, you know, so many, so many, I look at, I look at so much different artwork and, or I, I guess I'd say I have an appreciation for a lot of different artwork and certainly, you know, I mean, I, I, if you look at how I paint flowers, of course I love Manet, he's great, but I pretty much like work that to me feels like it's really genuine, um, that when I see it, it's an artist who seems to really have kind of a mission in what they want to say, and it mm -hmm. feels genuine. So that could be, that could be an old master, uh, but it could be somebody. It could be somebody very current who might have nothing to do with me, but they, they just seem very genuine. Sure, and thinking so thinking about missions, I. I used to ask this question a lot and I kind of don't anymore, but it's a good one. Do you, what do you try to say through your artwork? What is your sort of mission that you're trying to speak? Um, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I, I paint, I paint flowers a lot, but I also paint interiors and landscape. And, you know, honestly, it's just a reflection of the world around me and also um, kind of anonymous places, nothing spectacular, um, but places that I live. Most of my work is about the world around me and it can be a very, um, it can be a, a very private or a very plain world, you know, just a place that's sort of overlooked. And certainly when I'm painting landscape, the places I like the best are places you would pass by. Yeah, um, I did sort of get that feeling with your work, which is Beautiful websites. That oh, well, thank you. Set up so um, so nicely. I mean, it's like a it's like an, a whole experience to get on there and oh. look around. <laughs> it thank keeps you. you on there. That that's what it is. It really. Oh, good. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. I have to figure out what it is you did that does that. It's just really, really nicely done. So um, well, let's talk a little bit about you know your process and. You know, how you start a painting and execute it and finish it and that kind of thing. Maybe a little bit also about um, some of the tools and paints and things that you that you might use and favor. Well, I think for certainly for flower painting and landscapes, those are approached really similarly. It's my interiors are a, a really different process, but for those two. Um, I don't really make preliminary drawings. I have some guidelines that I do. They're mostly about me just fitting in a composition. And people who have taken classes with me do know that I talk about having guides. And it's mostly because, especially with flowers, but certainly with landscape as well, things have a tendency to grow. <laughs> and I'm more, I'm more trying to, hold, you know, like hammer everybody in. 
Uh, and then I start with pretty big brushes and I work my way around an image and eventually will use somewhat smaller brushes, but I'm, I'm locking in um, you know, bigger spaces within a painting, even in a flower, like a bouquet. I'm locking in those, the background and the floor of the painting. And, um, and when you say big, what size would big be for a brush? Big for, well, it, they're not huge, but for a smaller flower painting or a smaller landscape painting, they're about an inch to an inch and a half wide. And that would be like an uh, eight by eight or a 10 by 10 size painting? It, for uh, for up to like an 11 by 14 or so painting that's not unusual at all um and i i do that so that i keep things pretty loose and messy and then i'll slowly work in near like the last 10 to 15 percent of the painting is when i'm putting in some smaller brushes to finish things off Interiors are different because they're heavily dependent on perspective, which I struggle with. So I really have to do a preliminary drawing. And uh, so I'll do that with a charcoal. And right then, on the board. Yeah, and then I'll paint or, you know, it'll be, those will be multi-series of sessions versus my flowers and landscapes tend to be one, one to two sessions paintings or you know I may be I paint plein air I might work on it later in my studio or it just may be done when I'm out there so do you always paint everything from life um no I mean I have so I have a series of paintings that are based on life certainly but they're a whole mix mashup of things and they're flowers and birds together in an environment and some, they, it might be, some of the painting might have been started from life and then I, you know, I abandoned it and then I might pick it up and then paint over parts of it and add in a landscape or add in birds and uh, using, but I'll pretty much use, you know, I've got some bird books that I, I really love to look through and I'll do that and then I, but I'll think about landscapes or places that I've been. And those are much more about sort of a feeling or a mishmash of a period of, of time or a season. Right. I forgot right. about those. So I do those in addition, <laughs> flowers and landscapes and interiors. So I'd say these are like magical combinations of all yeah. the animals. And, and do you kind of keep it ongoing while you're working on other things? Is it something that's kind of simmering on the back burner while you're busy? Well, you know, I, I made those, the paintings with the birds and uh, fruit and flowers. I made a whole series of those, gosh, it was probably like 20 years ago now. It's been a long time. And I really loved them and I loved making them, but then they felt like they were forced and I was just sort of recreating the same image over and over and that didn't feel any fun. So then I just left them behind. And uh, about two years ago, I, I, I mean, I always thought about those paintings, but about two years ago, I, I, it became more of a, a desire to uh, try and make them again, but with, you know, 20 years of knowledge. Yeah. So they don't come very quickly, uh, but I do enjoy, I do, uh, my other work might come quickly. These ones do not, uh, but I enjoy them a lot. So what has changed about them in 20 years? Um, I think that the feeling of landscape is probably not as decorative as I think they became. Um, I'm able to, and it's probably 20 years of skill, but I feel like I can put in a some kind of a landscape that evokes a season or a time of day that um, has some space to it, has color, is just a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more complex. Um, and it can also incorporate the birds and flowers in a way that I find more pleasing than I, I did initially. Mm. 
Nice. And and tell me a little bit about your food paintings. They're really fun and you definitely Oh yeah, and those are right behind you. Like so yeah, those are picnic paintings and they're fun. They're they're really fun. They're big. Yeah. And I just got this idea about painting um picnics and actually the 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 one that's up on the top there of the it has the lobsters. Yeah. That was the first one. And I made that actually we were, I, I can't remember the year it was, but we were having all this snow and I was so, I was really sick of snow. And <laughs> so I went to Market Basket and I bought some frozen corn on the cob and a cooked lobster. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really start, I set it up on my floor and, and I was so cheap. Of course, I wouldn't buy like a whole picnic of lobster. So I bought one and I had to paint, I painted it five times in one day. I just kept switching the position. Oh, yeah. Then I would put in different kinds of food, you know, and that, so it was a, they were multi-session paintings, but I would add things in. Um, and then the next one is the chicken and sushi one that's on, that's the lighter colored one. Yeah. Uh, on the right. It has the white, um, tablecloth and that has a lot more structure to it and I I did I also painted that in pieces because of course it's food and if it's over a period of time it smells so I would paint the sushi one day and then paint the chicken the next day but it was fun because then I could sort of move things around or you know if things weren't working it was relatively easy to re to repaint them nice. and then the last one I made was uh, w was originally a meditation on my daughter's 18th birthday, and uh, but I, then I it, it just I couldn't resolve it, so then I repainted it just as a general birthday uh -huh. picnic. Uh -huh. Nice. And what do you yeah. paint on? Those are fairly big boards. What do you use? Uh, they're wood panels. Okay. They're yeah, they're they're gessoed panels, and they're I think uh, 36 by. I think they're 36 by 40, 48, but they're pretty lightweight. The panels are made, I think, in Canada or something. They're, I mean, okay, when they're framed, they're heavier to put yeah. up on the wall, but they're not as they're not as heavy as you think that they would be when you're when when you buy the panels. And what kind are they? You said from Canada. Oh, I don't remember. I got them from artisan. I got them at Artisan Craftsman up in Portland. Oh, okay. And what about your smaller paintings? Would you the same? kind of board? I generally paint on panel, almost exclusively paint on panel. And I will, um, I'll change brands. I do, um, and also with the pandemic right now, I think sometimes our you know, supplies are, are, it's not always easy to find what I want. Um, yeah. So I, I, those ones I get because of the size, I get those at artists and craftsmen in Portland. Um, and then there's other ones I can buy online that I like. And I like the, I like the surface because it's got a slight bit of tooth, but not too much tooth. Cause I, I want a surface that has a good skid to it, but it's not so slippery things, you know, like the, um, you know, the image feels like it's going to fall off or drip <laughs> or drip down. And then I have another company I found in California and they have a lot of different surfaces, but they've been really pleasant to work with. They're called Trekal. Oh, and I, I do enjoy that. I, that's not my favorite surface, but they have a number. I shouldn't say that's not my favorite surface because they've developed a whole bunch of different surfaces. So depending on what you buy, there's some I like better than the other. But I like that they're made in the United States and mm -hmm. they're, they have great customer service. So Nice. So um, as far as actually your paints and all that, I think if someone's really curious, they can get on your website and pretend they're taking a class and see your list of what you recommend. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we'll kind of skip that since, since people can get to it. But sure. tell me about um, your, what would be your primary differences between your studio and your plein air um, work and maybe practices, your practices, what would, I'm assuming your tools and paints would be the same. Yeah. The, yeah, the materials, the materials are all the same. The, easel is different just because you're outside the practice is actually it's not that much different it's just that i have to be more compact when i go outside versus yeah. inside so i am more um 
you know, I'm more thoughtful about what I bring with me because I don't want to, I don't want to bring too much, but I'm using this, I, I use the same process when I'm painting outside as when I'm painting inside my, my studio, um, to real, it, it, with the exception of painting interiors, there's just not that much difference or a multi-session painting. So if I said plain air and flower painting in my studio, those are almost interchangeable. Yeah. But the interiors and like picnic paintings, things that take multi-session, it's all the same materials. They're, they're different in that I have more drawing going on ahead of time, more planning. Um, yeah. And how often do you get out and paint? Not enough. Not, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very, I feel like I'm very lazy about going outside. I should do it more, but I, you know, I'll be like, oh, it's too cold. <laughs> It's a lot of interviews, for sure. What yeah. about, I mean, do you just kind of go out and wander around, or is it some location maybe you've driven by and you say, oh, I'm going to come back? And no, well, you know, actually, I mean, we were talking before that my husband, Craig Hood, he's a great landscape painter, and he's a plein air painter. Um, and I pretty much go with him okay. when I go. I don't, you know, I'm, I, everybody feels differently, uh, but... I'm not wild about going out in the, the obscure places that we tend to go. I'm not crazy about going out there by myself. So, yeah, it, yeah. so I do tend to go with him and we're off painting. Seth, we're in the same place, but we're off making our own, our own paintings. Right. Uh, so I'm really, I'm, I'm honestly happiest when I am sitting down at a place that looks like it has nothing remarkable to paint. So, yeah. cause I can find, something to paint nice nice that's your challenge you're out there like yeah if i'm confronted with a beautiful landscape inevitably i'll mess it up like i just it's just <laughs> it's too nice or it's too you know there's just too there's so much there's so many nice things going on i just feel like i'm not going to do it justice but you know yeah i can paint a rock right <laughs> Well, they're beautiful. Really what is, is working for you. So yeah, let's touch on your husband for a second. So I, my last interview, in fact, was Dan Fiella, who was a student of Craig's at UNH. For, and he talked about him and he told me, I have to, he's on my list, you have to interview Craig. So I didn't know that was your husband. So what a small world. He will be on the show soon. <laughs> um, so, I mean, but when you guys go out, do you, do you just go hunting? for a spot? You just like throw on your gear and okay, let's hike through the woods or what do you, what do you look for? No, we really have some pretty standard places to go. Okay. Craig does more hunting than I do. And you can talk, you know, you could definitely talk to him about that. Um, but it's more like finding conducive places to paint versus a beautiful place, place to paint because I have, I have particular criteria for painting that I probably, I can't say that we share a hundred percent of the criteria, but I think he would appreciate what I'm going to say here. <laughs> so it's a place that you can set up and nobody's going to come, but <laughs> it's like, it's not a heavily trafficked area. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can paint for a while and for the most part people are, are going to leave you but it also has you know aesthetically there's some things that are of interest and could sustain you over time and the place that i have gone to paint most mostly has been with him is out at the former uh, peas air force base mm -hmm. uh which i don't know if you've ever been out there but Yep. It's big. There's a lot out there, but it's not spectacular. And it, it, but it still has because it's a former Air Force base. There still is undeveloped land out there. Mm. It's very easy to access. So it's like easy to park. <laughs> it, has, it sort of has all of the the things that you check off. Like it's easy to just pull out your easel and set up right beside your car. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nice. And it's a place that we, you know, it's familiar to us. You know, we lived in Portsmouth for 33 years and, mm. you know, we taught our daughter to drive out there, and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a familiar, it's a familiar place. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, let's talk about your teaching a little bit. Um, assuming now it's probably changed and gone online, like most others. Yeah, that was a really rapid change, but I started teaching... Um, I think maybe around 2012, 
or so, 13. Mm -hmm. And um, I had been asked to teach a number of times. And, um, and then I was asked to teach um, at Sanctuary Arts in Elliott. And that was a great first experience for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I just over time sort of developed, a, you know, I just thought about what was going to be sustainable and enjoyable for me. And I, I um, pretty much developed a taste for doing workshops that were first a half hour, you know, or excuse me, a half a day, and then became a full day. And then I could do them by topic one to three days. And I got this studio here and could have six to seven people in my studio and we would work together all day or for a couple of days on a specific problem and then uh then with the pandemic um things changed really rapidly so i had just filled all my workshops from winter through june and um and then i you know of course people didn't feel comfortable um, working in person and I didn't even know if I could come here to teach. So I had been also asked online. I got pretty frequent emails from people asking if I would teach online. And again, you know, it was really my laziness um, and just not wanting to take the time to pursue what that would mean. And then I thought, well, okay, this is an opportunity that I, I'm not going to I'm not going to have a time I can I can immerse myself in it again like I can right now. Right. And so I just I talked with some people I knew who were who were either going to do the same thing, had already done the same thing, and then I just I bought a bunch of equipment based on things I read and things that I saw, and you know it's it's a different way of teaching. And I've learned a lot between April or whenever I started. Actually, yeah. it was April I was buying equipment, and by June I was teaching. And now I've taught a ton, and and I actually really like it because it's opened up a, like a whole market of people. Right. So um, there's people people who would ask me to do this. People who've been on the mailing list, but also. Uh, my work is on Pinterest, which I always underestimate, but I now get people from all over the country and it, it's so fun yeah. meeting people. Uh, and I sometimes have workshops where there's nobody local. Wow. It's all people from far away and it, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's fascinating awesome. at the end of a workshop, even though they're generally about three hours long, although I am teaching some class, like four session, four session classes. Uh, it's amazing how after th how much after only three hours people seem to interact with each other. I am still kind of surprised by that. Um, yeah. But that's been a pleasant surprise because I, it's a whole lot of new people to meet, you know, sure. and, and teach. Sure. So if, if and when things ever go back to normal, no, when they go back to normal, crazy the normal crazy. <laughs> right. Um, are you going to continue that? Do you think? some of it yeah i oh yeah no i made i feel like i've really made an investment in it oh, right. and um i and i really enjoy meeting people from all over the place and i can't think of another way how you know i i was um teaching else i would get invited to teach elsewhere and that's really fun but it does take a lot of time and yeah. uh i know there's some people make whole trips out of it and that's great i, I think that is that's sounds really fun but teaching is really hard work and when you go away for a week, workshop that takes you know a week or however long that's a lot of time on yeah. and i do enjoy that i can teach online and I can develop this sort of curriculum and I can teach it to people, but I don't have to commit as much time as a full or a multiple day workshop is. Um, and when you're with people in person, it's great. Like it, it's, you know, it's, it's always fun to meet people, but the day can be really, really long. And this way I can, I can decide when things are, are done and I can comment on their work, but I can do that later and I don't have to do it right them so it kind of can i can even out my energy towards 
towards teaching a little bit better by doing it online. I don't intend to do any in-person workshops until next year. Like I'm just, I've, it's just off the table. I just, I don't feel like canceling them again. So <laughs> like scheduling and then saying, sorry, you know, <laughs> I can't do it, but this I can do. So I know I can teach online and, uh, it's not, there's not a, there, there's not going to be very many reasons that it would be canceled versus in person with the, you know, with the virus, I can think of a lot of reasons why it would. So. And what is the one thing, if you could have every student only walk away with one thing, what would it want? What would you want that to be in there? Wash your brushes. Wash? Wash your brushes. Wash your brushes. That's what I thought you said. Just. <laughs> It's I like if it was watch with your eyes or wash with water. No, wash your brushes because people invest a lot of money in brushes, and I'm always blown away at people like, oh, I'll wash them later. <laughs> there, no, you actually won't. But <laughs> you know, it's like going to bed without brushing your teeth. You know? yeah. Oh, I love it. That, they can last a long time, and sometimes they get even better. You know, when you when you wash them. Right, and there's a certain level I find of respect for your tools that you should right. have. I, I mean, you know, you should. What are, what are, what do you think your students would say is your superpower as a teacher? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think I I try really hard to look for what they seem to be naturally good at or drawn to in their painting, whether it's color or the way they use their brush or drawing or had, you know, creating a certain kind of environment. Because I, I know people when they take workshops with me have a desire to paint in a way that is not me, but is, is similar. Like I, I do understand that tendency and I, and I really respect that they want that. But I also see whatever they're bringing in, that's yeah. what they're naturally good at, you know, and I, I want them to walk away feeling confident about mm -hmm. the things that they're bringing to the panel or the canvas. Nice. Um, yeah, that is and I can teach them some things that will make, that I hope will make their experience um, better. But I also really think it's great when they can retain or find that, kind of that just that individual vision that we all have. Right. Um, it's just sometimes people don't like what they have. You know? Right. Right. True. <laughs> or they don't know how to develop it, maybe. You know, right. Like this uncontrolled <laughs> thing that's happening. <laughs> right. So um, I noticed on your website, um, you participate in something called the De Cordova Museum Corporate Art Program. What is that? Um, that is, it's, it's the De Cordova, which is in, it's a museum that's in Lincoln, Mass. They've had a, a artist lending program forever, and I've participated in it for a really long time. And so you can contact them. I can, I've been doing it for so long now. I can't, it really has been a long time, the 19, early, 1990s uh, and they'll come and, and choose some work and then they will place it in different uh, corporations and so every year it's like if they have a handful of your paintings every year or two they'll place it in a different corporation and sometimes people buy work or they will sometimes um, get interested in your work and look at something different and purchase it. But it's a good way to have your work get out there at no cost to you. And they treat your artwork really well. So. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I had not heard of that before. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And um, your drawings, your drawings are so big, like 30 by 40 I see on your website and they're fantastic. Yeah, those are real. Thank you. Uh, those are older drawings. And those are ones I'd love to make. Again, I made those until I felt like I wasn't making spontaneous drawings anymore. So then I just stopped. But those are a lot like the paintings I make of birds and yeah. animals and environment and home. Uh, and those are all from either from imagination, although I would certainly wouldn't, you know, I will remember things in my own home or I'll go look at it or grab a picture. Um, but you know, it's like my cat 
we, you know, that those are those are very old because we haven't had a cat in a long time. But they're usually me they're a meditation on on home and life outside of windows and yeah. kitchens. They're really interesting and beautiful. So, what is your um, what's your greatest challenge to your daily practice? Um. You know, making, it's so funny because you look, I look around and they're, okay, I make a lot of flower paintings that are very similar to one another in some ways, <laughs> but every time I want to make a painting that feels spontaneous and if I feel like I'm painting, looking over my own shoulder, that's not a good thing and it happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I'm so like observing myself, I'm making a painting yet again that I've already made, or if I like something I made and I'm trying really hard to recreate, recreate it, that's the kiss of death, you know, that. <laughs> so I, I would like to be able to approach when I'm look, you know, if I'm looking at a landscape or flowers that I'm really looking at them on their own Mm. for the first time and I'm making a painting about them and that they're a living object and they're a unique living object mm -hmm. uh, but not one that I I mean it could be that I have the same bouquet and I could paint it say five times in one week it's five different images and if I'm lucky enough to like all five which does not happen but if I am it would be because it was a it was a unique approach to that same bouquet mm -hmm. every time yeah. Yeah. And how, what do you do to foster to get a different approach? What, that's any secret techniques. Oh, no, that's the magic question. <laughs> then I wouldn't have any paintings. I would be throwing away. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. But I do know this: that when I come in, if I come in here and I start looking around at my other work, you know for ideas about what to paint, it's probably a good idea to do some framing, you know, <laughs> or do like go, <laughs> versus if I'm looking, I come in and I look at the object or I start just feel excited to start painting, yeah. that's the better day of painting. Yeah. So if I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at my past work for inspir inspiration, it really is. A, and, and I think that's really a great thing to do. Like when I start feeling really sick of flower painting, that's a really good time to stop flower painting. Yeah. Like, why am I doing, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I am painting after all, I think, because I enjoy it. So if it's feeling like a burden or right. I'm yet again painting flowers, I need to stop painting. You know, I need to do something different. And it might be just going and working in the garden or working on my house or go read a book. It may just be something completely unrelated to making artwork. Yeah. And um, how do you know when something's done and when you need it to be done, do you ever sneak back and work on it again or do you have some hard, fast rule on that? <laughs> I don't have any hard, fast rules, but in general, things are usually done about 10 steps before you stopped working on it. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I, do, I do feel like it's a little bit like... I, I'm going to start talking about cooking, but it's a little bit like having, what is it that you, like, there's certain dishes that you want to be, like, <laughs> I know there's people who will listen to this be like, oh, I'm a vegetarian, but if you're cooking a piece of meat, sometimes it's really good to stop yeah. before it's actually done. Like, you take it out so it keeps cooking, sure. and I think if you can stop working on a painting before you think it's really done, that's a really good thing to do because you can always change your mind. It's worse when you, you know, you end the day and think, oh, I'm a genius or I just made the greatest painting. And the next day I'm like, that is such a dog. I can't even believe, like, what was I thinking? You know, I, and it's, and that happens with some frequency. Well, that's good to hear on my part. I, I, I think I'm the only uh -huh. one that thinks that. I, seriously. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I really think you, uh, it's really hard to know when something is done, and I would rather err on it being a little underdone than overdone. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. For me, with very spontaneous painting, it's very hard to come back from that. And, and actually, it's just as well if the next day, if I'm not happy with it, it's usually good to just scrape and start all over. Sometimes I can salvage, but... 
more often than not, I just need to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. And what um, what does success mean to you as an artist, personally? Oh, being able to have us the having the, the privilege of having a place to work mm -hmm. and being able to work, having a lifestyle that supports being an artist. I have that. I feel super fortunate. Um, it's really, you know, it's, it's really easy living with another artist um, yeah. because there's nothing to explain. So we don't have to, we don't have like a weekend, you know, you know. Oh boy, <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, I think my, my daughter was the one who had in some ways, I feel like she adapted. She's very self-sufficient. She's, she's, a great person and everything but she adapted to our lifestyle in some way and that's you know that we're very we've always been very accustomed to having to work on the weekend on our artwork it doesn't mean we don't take a day off but we also if i feel like working saturday afternoon and craig is working saturday morning well that's just the way that it is you know mm -hmm. so i have a i have a, a life in which i'm able to make work and i feel really grateful for that because not everybody not everybody does right right that's wonderful and um tell me a little bit about um your marketing and what your best tip would be to people maybe getting started out there and just try it. I mean, I am a dunce at, you know, this stuff. Like I really knew nothing and I, I still, I still know nothing, but it's like throwing, it's like throwing a dart, you know, and, and some seeing what sticks. So, and I had to learn and I still, I look at other people and I mean, I don't have so much time and there are people who actually do marketing, they get paid for it. So I feel like, okay, you know, I'm doing, <laughs> it's like, whole, I have many hats, right. but I just, I learned how to work with my own images in Photoshop or whatever. And then I learned about Facebook and learned about Instagram. And I also, once I got a Squarespace site, I, there's lots of different posts. Right. I enjoyed Squarespace be just because I've used it for so long now, but I have really learned to look at my analytics and it's amazing to see where people come from, but uh, it, where their location, but also where they're coming from, where they saw your work and Pinterest is, really? which I just no. boggled my mind because I put so, I just have an automatic post for things to automatically, like my Pinterest is completely disorganized. I don't go in and take care of it. But yet most of the traffic that comes to my site is from Pinterest. Mm. So, and it, I think it's different for everybody, but sure. taking some time to learn how to look at, at that. If it's not, you know, some people really hate doing that kind of stuff. They want to make artwork. And I think uh, teaching has been also, that wasn't intentional, but it's been helpful. Um, it just widens the amount of people who want to, work with you and then if they like your workshops they tell somebody else about it mm -hmm. um I, I guess just not being afraid to try things even though you don't know how to do them you know i i knew nothing about mailchimp for newsletters and i send i don't again i don't do anything nearly as much as i should but that's been a helpful skill mm -hmm. I think it's great to learn how to, and also, and, and developing some other things to do, well, for me, developing some other things to do outside of my painting practice that help support being an artist. And so those are, I never thought of them as, mar I didn't think of the cards as marketing, but they are. Uh -huh. And the calendar, but it is. And then people come back. And if they like it, they buy it again the next year. And then they might buy cards, but they do send them to people who then contact me saying, I got your card from somebody. Yeah. And they do go on and buy paintings. Like it's really rather remarkable. So it's nice. Everything I've done really has been by accident. So if there's not, I'm talking about this, like I've got a plan. Of you like, accidentally throw darts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw well, they actually yeah, so stick. Well, tell me, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try. I'll try that. Yeah. 
Great. And do you, who do you get your cards done through? Is that like um? Um, I use um a press in Manchester, Keystone Press, um, and they've been they've been super. Um, and I was doing everything in New Hampshire. Now I'm in a little bit of a quandary because I'm going to be in Maine. So you know, I and there's lots of good. You know, there there's a lot of really good um, printing presses around but keystone i really do like them because they um have been super responsive to me with um, color matching and correcting and really they were very easy for me to work with i like their sales rep and, yeah. um, and what about your photography do you do that yourself with your I do. camera i do it myself but i'm i i do it <laughs> i do it myself probably because i, I mean it takes time and I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but I'm also lazy. And you hear Kip unless I call myself lazy, but there's other people who could take far better pictures, but that would involve me having to like find them and make an appointment and haul the paintings or they come to me versus I have talked to people who take pictures and do a good enough, they're not super, but they're, I do a good enough job and um, for Instagram, I'm just using my iPhone. Yeah. You know, I just take the picture and I edit it with these apps now and just post it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, on your website, they definitely look professionally done. So you do know a little more of what you do and then you think they're, they're doing really Yeah. Well. But I do talk to, I mean, I, if I have to learn anything new, that's the one thing I would always say to somebody who's curious, like if, about how to, I don't know about getting started, but just find somebody to ask because more often than not people want to be really helpful and they want to tell you what they know like yeah. they want to share what they know because they're good at what they do sure. so why not ask because i I'm, I'm always happy to tell people if i have learned something if it's going to make it easier for the next person that it would have made it easier for me like <laughs> i'm happy to share it so if it's going to save them 10 steps that maybe i wasn't saved but that's a plus. I'm, I'm, I'm never unhappy to share. So. Yeah. And you're right. I think people do want to talk about what they know. So ask somebody for help. Yeah. Um, and what about, um, I don't know, your, your funniest story, either plein air painting or teaching or, or your <laughs> scariest story, whatever you've got. <laughs> I don't have a scary story, but I do. This is a long time ago. And actually Craig and I were out painting at Odeon Point in Rye. Mm -hmm. And I've painted there and I've taught workshops there. And it, in, you know, there's a lot of people there. And as I said at the beginning, I tend to look for places now that are a little bit more obscure where there's just not a lot of people. And Odeon Point can be, and then other times it can, it can be very crowded or there can be very curious people about what you're doing. Um, and I was just having one of those days where I just felt like, everybody was coming up and talking <laughs> so i just made a sign and I, I had a piece of paper and um i stuck it on, I, and i stuck it on my back like i just said no <laughs> I, I, I have no idea where anybody even saw that or not but i, I just you know, i mean there are people who are really generous with their time while they're out painting, but I guess maybe if you're having a good day painting, you're more generous, but it, maybe it was a really bad day out there. It's odd how that works, right? It's odd how that works on a day that you might've been more receptive to it. Of course, there's no one around, but the, the one day exactly. that it's like, there. you have the force no. field up <laughs> and they're all trying to get in. <laughs> no. Oh, that's yeah. good. I love it. Um, so in closing, tell us about the, through the, is it called Through the Window, the Portsmouth show that you're participating in? And how did that start? Or Through the Window? Oh, with um, Todd Benita. Yeah. They started it. I didn't start. This was Todd Benita um, and a couple of people he knows. I was just contacting uh, Alistair Dacey, who's right here at the Button Factory. But I got an email from them, and they wanted to ask artists, um, around here who might want to participate to um, work with, um, I guess they'd be really working with the landlords, but of businesses that have left 
left, you know, if they've left Portsmouth, just to, so that people aren't walking by empty storefronts, that they could partner with a landlord and put up panels that would have different people's artwork up in the windows. And so they asked if I wanted to participate. They really did the lion's share of the work. I did, I did nothing except deliver artwork to them. They did everything. Uh, and it looks nice, you know, that's right on Daniel Street. And I don't know whether it will expand or not, but I think it was a, it was a nice thought on their part. Um, yeah, I hope it does expand. It, it looks phenomenal. It's just down past the Tuscan Kitchen there on Daniel Street. It's right, beautiful. right. Every time I drive by, I see, I see someone looking. Sometimes I see two or three people. So. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it was a, that was a good idea. Um, that was a good idea on, on their part. Mm. Nice. Okay, and give us your best advice to artists. What give us a um, work? <laughs> work. Clean your brushes at work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I, if I have to, the what I hear from people who take workshops more than anything is they'll say, "I'm trying to get back into it," or you know, it's been a long time, and I find it really hard to work on my own. And I think the only way to combat that is to have a, is to develop a working practice mm. and so that so that when you're not doing it you miss doing it uh, so that you don't have to feel like you have to find your way back to it you're just always doing it and it's such a part of your routine yeah. that you can't imagine life without it that doesn't mean you don't take breaks from it but that it's so much a part of what you do that i mean it's your job you know so and that you're entitled to the time you know especially i, I don't really i don't want to make this a gender thing because i'll inevitably i don't mean to offend anybody and I'll, i'm sure i'll say it wrong but i know a lot of women will say it like they don't take that time for sure. it absolutely yeah. so it's something they want to do but that you know, somebody else or something else takes precedence mm -hmm. over that art making, uh, that art making time. Yeah. Agree. Well, thank you so much. Um, tell us your website and your Instagram. Sure. Uh, my website is just it's my name and nobody spells my name right. So <laughs> that, uh, but you generally, if you can get BRN in there and just search, it'll come up because there's really not many other people with my last name. So it's amyburnger.com and Burnger is B-R-N-G-E-R, -E like you burned your hand. Yeah. And um, Instagram is at amyburnger. And then I think Pinterest is amyburnger, amyburnger art and paperworks. Usually if you can get the B-R-N, it'll, it'll get you pretty much to where you want to go. Right. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's been lovely chatting. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks for talking with me. All right. Have a good day. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.